Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Some higher numbers on the grain complex. As we all know, the struggle continues on the livestock side. We'll dive into both of those. But really, we're going to take a look at, at what's going on with, obviously, the South American crop. How about this red-hot oil market and some alternative feed guidelines that are coming with China? Lots to look at today as we invite Arlen Suderman to join us. He is with StoneX. So let's start out with the easy stuff first. What are you hearing on the corn crop in South America? Yeah, the Safrina corn crop makes up about three-fourths of their corn production for the year. They actually have three crops, so the third crop is pretty small, you know, just two or three million metric tons. The second crop is the big one, and it's going to be, uh, you know, if the trend yields going to be over north of 80 million metric tons. And, and the first crop is the one that is the summer crop. Right now, this is a winter crop for them, or the safrina crop. Safrina actually means smaller crop, but it's become the bigger crop because they harvest the soybeans and plant the corn right behind it. And, and that is really what's developed them as a major exporter of corn, second only to the United States. So anytime they fall short of production, that tends to increase U.S. exports as we get into the fall of our year. Uh, as we look at the crop, it got planted very late this year because of the late soybean harvest, uh, depending on where you're at, anywhere from three to six weeks late. So that means that the rainy season needed to, first of all, they needed to have good rains during the, the brunt of the season, the remainder of the rainy season, and then they needed the rainy season, which tends to end right now at this time of year. It just tends to just shut off. They needed it to extend by three to four weeks. And uh, based on the forecasts that we're seeing, the forecast models that climatologists were looking at, uh, we basically have been dry for the southern half of the belt, and now the northern half is starting to dry out as well, and the rains are starting to shut down. It's looking like a normal end to the rainy season. Now, we could always have something happen in the atmosphere to to give them a surprise rain that's not currently expected, but right now we don't see that driver in the atmosphere. The climatologists we talk to don't see it, and so it looks like an early end to the growing season, and we're seeing predictions from climatologists who have gone back, who we work with at Commodity Weather Group, and studied similar type of years and patterns, etc., that feel pretty confident that we could see a drop of anywhere from 20 to 25 to maybe even over 30% from trend for yields for the Safrina Corn Belt as a whole if this forecast verifies in the weeks ahead. So that's a significant problem for the world corn supply. Could lead to a world corn shortage in the months ahead. Uh, and one of the reasons why corn prices continue to go higher. I really thought that the market was starting to look top-heavy, it was overbought, and when I saw the pullback start early today, I thought, okay, this is a normal type of a pullback, it's overbought, but I couldn't believe how quickly that pullback was being bought, meaning that both speculators and end users are looking for breaks that they can buy because they're worried about much higher corn prices possible down the road. And I'm hearing over the last this week, I'm hearing from various end users who need to buy corn and other grains and oil seeds asking, how big a break might we get? We've got to buy the next break. So that buy the break mentality seems to be well ingrained right now supporting this market. 
you talk weather and everything that's been happening in South America, and we, we kind of turn gears and look here in the United States. We got kind of hit by a cold snap that many hadn't expected with below freezing temperatures and snow really across the entire Midwest down to Texas. Yeah, it was a nice snow. Wrong time of year. <laughs> uh, and that was indicative of just how cold it was. And uh, obviously, it, uh, there was a few corn and soybean fields that were up from early planting that it may have nipped. That's more of a localized problem for that particular producer. It's not going to be a big impact on the final U.S. production, so to speak, that's going to affect the markets. Um, but when we look at the wheat crop, we had a lot of wheat that was at various stages, depending on how far south you are, that was vulnerable to the cold that was right there. Uh, we've got some wheat in Oklahoma that's heading, and then every all the stages going back as you go north or you know pre- less mature than that. As we look at the greatest areas of concern, appear to have been area in central Kansas going to the southwest into western Oklahoma and into the Texas Panhandle, and then an area in central Missouri and an area in central Indiana. Those are the areas where we got cold enough that we may have done some damage. Again, with wheat, you have to wait until it warms up and you can look at the tissue. We don't have to wait as long this time of year. Um, so we should know a lot a week from now, a week to 10 days from now. But at this point, we don't see any evidence that this is a widespread weather event. We think it's more of a local damage issue and probably something that's not going to move the markets a whole lot. I think the traders are going to be more focused on the broader picture money flowing in the grains and oil seeds because of what's happening in corn and soybeans so because we're on short time i want to ask you about the wheat as as a feed alternative use does that put some more pressure on this wheat crop as it continues to come out of dormancy and spring wheat tries to get planted as well yeah and and we'll probably will lose some spring wheat acres because of how dry it is not just here in the northern plains but in canadian prairies as well we're feeding a lot more wheat than USDA's currently acknowledge. I think that'll only increase as we move into the next marketing year. That means decreased corn use. So we're starting to ration corn feed use, not just here but around the world. Just wondering when USDA is going to acknowledge that in their monthly reports impacting the market. All right. Well, stick around, folks. We've got more coming up with Arlen Suderman as we get ready to head into part two. We are going to talk about those red hot oil markets. Also, some alternative feed guidelines that came out from China. How's that all going to affect what we see here in the States? More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Arlen Suderman. So a story that came out uh, from Reuters, it's caught a lot of attention, Arlen, and that deals with China and some alternative feed guidelines. I know you talked about it in your midday newsletter. What does all of this mean for us? Yeah, we were getting a lot of questions about it today. It it really doesn't mean anything. It makes a nice story and everything. Uh, As we talked to, and and I talked to our people on the ground there in China uh, about the story and about the event, the government report that came out stated that corn can be replaced with sorghum, barley, rice, cassava, uh, and soybean meal can be replaced with rapeseed meal, cottonseed meal, peanut meal, sunflower meal, etc., They even gave some guidelines about uh, how to develop the rations and some sample rations, depending on what part of the country you're in, what might work well, et cetera. 
Uh, but this really reflects changes that have already happened over the last six to eight months. People, livestock producers there, are following the economics. It's estimated that the Chinese livestock producer will feed about 40 million metric tons of wheat this year and probably about 35 million metric tons of rice. That's in the current marketing year. Uh, and, and ironically, while China and the United States are starting to acknowledge this, neither has really reduced their expected corn consumption estimates. I think that's probably because they both have been overstating those corn supplies, and this is a way of allowing those supplies to be drawn down to more reality without having to make embarrassing revisions. Anyway, the guidelines, the bottom line is the guidelines are suggestions. That's all. They're not anything to force the livestock producers to change what they're already doing. And uh, overall, it, it you know, it makes a nice story. It looks like the government has things under control, but the private sector in China has already been doing it. No no big change, No, nothing new to the market here. The other thing that's getting a lot of excitement is talking about these red-hot oil markets. Let's talk more on that. Yeah, yeah, when you talk about oil, you're talking like soy oil, um, uh, corn oil, uh, canola oil, uh, some of the recycled oils, some of the various fats, etc., that go into making, we think traditionally, a biodiesel. And uh, the biodiesel industry has really kind of struggled over the years as needed the government subsidy, in other words, to, to continue to operate. And sometimes that subsidy is off, sometimes it's on. Um, but basically, it's a requirement of blending this product into uh, diesel to make a biodiesel product that we can use in, in our trucks, etc. Now, there's a new family of fuels that is arising, and these are called renewable fuels or renewable diesel. Uh, and it, un Unlike biodiesel, this is not a required blended product, so it doesn't have any caps or, or anything on how much can be blended. It is a standalone fuel, and it is really desirable. There's a lot of really desirable characteristics about it. And uh, we know of companies uh, who are global companies who are willing to pay almost whatever it costs to get this product because it helps them meet some of the global green standards in some of the countries they do business. Um, and so there's strong demand. They'll say, we'll buy whatever you can produce. So there's a number of processors. There were three announcements just yesterday of uh, plants being constructed f to produce this uh, renewable diesel. Um, it's even being used in aircraft, passenger airlines. Um, so it has very diverse uses. Um, but basically... Some, we work with a lot of these companies. Our vegetable oil team is very involved in these projects. And just based on the projects that they have high confidence levels in, we're expecting production capacity to more than double this year and to almost double again next year. Um, and that doesn't include all the projects on the books that could come to fruition. And just to continue to grow, growing a much faster pace than what the supply of these oils is going to be. Now, most of them are being made for soy oil, but some of them can also use some of the other oils. But even if they use up all the soy oil, um, that takes soy oil out of other uses that, these, that the other oils will try to fill in for. So it is bullish all the oils as a whole. And when you think about looking globally, the supply of these oils 
is basically at record low levels right now globally as a percent of annual usage. And we're just going to tighten that up even more. So as I ask them, are we going to get to the point where we start crushing for oil rather than meal? They look at me and say, well, we're moving closer in that direction. I don't know, but we're certainly moving closer that direction, particularly when you have some buyers out there willing to pay whatever price is necessary. That means they can pay for the feedstocks at whatever price as well. So this is something really boosting the ag economy, and not only now, but in the future. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? StoneX.com. We're over on Twitter, ArlenFF101. And that is the Fontenelle Final Battle. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss are not suitable for all investors. Fontenelle Final Battle brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers on the Rural Radio Network.